0: Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday RPG. In this case, I am running the... In this case, I am running a Numenera custom campaign called The Rise of the Fourth Emperor. You can find out all about this on the playlist of the videos in the show notes below to learn all about my Numenera campaign, if you want to follow previous episodes. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to get access to exclusive videos and exclusive products and previews of upcoming products and previews of upcoming events and access to a dedicated Discord channel, you can do so by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all of this stuff, plus they they help me put on shows like this. So to the to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much. I am getting pretty close to the end, I think, of my Numenera Fourth Emperor campaign. So this whole campaign follows our heroes as they attempt to thwart a super powerful otherworldly entity from taking over the planet. Very big in scale and scope. This entity exists in the data sphere and in the physical world and in an extra dimension known as the outside or the outside is kind of all other extra dimensions extra extra universes but one in particular and the characters they it is it has been invading the world over the past year or so and the characters have been slowly thwarting it well they have made tremendous progress in thwarting this this plot and thwarting this attempt to take over the world. They have done so by taking over satellites that exist up above Earth that are able to drop telephone pole sized tungsten rods anywhere and, and cause the equivalent of a 20 megaton nuclear blast without any nuclear fallout. They, in the last. Couple of sessions, the characters traveled to the to the city of Balorod, which sits right at the edge of a huge construct known as the Jade Colossus. And there, one of the characters knew that they had a brother. In, tr- in fact, they had four brothers who were both there. One of whom had been killed. Kind of, they're are killed, but their head is still alive because they're constructs, and the head can still talk. And they found out. So the characters met one of their brothers. That uh, Samji's Samji's met one of his brothers. Who was Radius, and found out that he had two other two other brothers as well, Axis and Origin. And it turns out Origin had been killed by Axis, and Axis was trying to make sure that nobody else could release the remainder of their kind, which were about ten thousand constructs, these soldiers known as the Glistening Army. They are all the, the, similar to the, the four brothers, and. Axis recognized how dangerous he through his own actions through his own sort of murderous actions he realized how dangerous they are and said we cannot release the rest of us into the world we're too we're we shouldn't be we are too powerful we're too strong and we're too dangerous to release so he'd been preventing people from doing it the characters found this out they convinced him there is a threat worse than this and look at you you look how you've changed since you know you've clearly murdered a bunch of people you're definitely going to have to pay for that but you've changed and you have this moral understanding so why can't the other ones make the same choices and he says it's too dangerous he says i can't control everything else that's happening outside world but i can control this and they managed to convince him that no it wasn't the case so they released the brothers and they gave all of them sentience or the the sibling the the, the members of the of the uh, the members of the glistening army and they gave them free will they said they do not have to follow us we are not going to command them as an army we are going to let them be individuals and about you know 1900 of them left and left about 80 you know 8100 of them or so remained and the 8100 said we will fight for you we will we will fight and we will help prevent the coming of the fourth emperor so that was where our adventure ended last session was the characters now have an army of Samji's, an army of constructs. And what makes this army particularly powerful, they're big and strong. They are they are level four slash level five, up to anywhere between level four and level seven threats, depending on how long. Like like Axis was a level seven. And so they're pretty powerful, but they also have the ability to shift in and out of the data sphere at will. They don't need a Virtus to shift in and out of the data sphere, which means that they can sort of disappear from the real world, travel across the data sphere, and then pop into another part of the real world, almost like teleporting. And like that means like six to eight of these guys can take out any like location, and they have thousands of them. So that means that they're they are going to be able to use these to basically destabilize the entire... Armies of the fourth emperor, all of the work that the fourth emperor has been doing on the surface of the planet will probably be able to be disrupted by these 8000 soldiers that they just picked up. So that's we, we I had warned the players that we're going to have sort of a downtime session for our next for our next session. I am, as always, I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you are wondering what tool I have, this is Notion. You can find a link all about Notion in the show notes below. We are going to start by generating a new campaign session template. And this is 14 August, Sunday, Numenera and we start off we we are recognized. we are tier four step two which is which is pretty great kind of every I'm going to be mostly giving them an, an additional step almost every session I kind of want to tie it to an, a major event that they did but I want to give them an extra step one trick I talked I, I gave last week I did a big Numenera deep dive and I don't think I talked about it too much but one of the things that I did which is has made the streamlined Numenera for me much better than I think is written in the book is I separate experience into two groups I I have temporary experience and I have permanent experience temporary experience the characters get through GM intrusions. And whenever a GM intrusion occurs, they get temporary experience. So the temporary experience they can use for rerolls they can use for temporary skill boosts, they can use for all of the things that don't stay with the character permanently. And then at the end of a session when they've done a major event, I usually give them every character four experience points. That's permanent experience points. And they can use those four experience points to buy up their tiers. The advantage of this is all of the characters are leveling up at the same rate. Everybody has the same amount of permanent experience. They know to use it for permanent events. And you don't have people who are hoarding rerolls in order to try to get more powerful. I've talked to friends of mine who have played in Numenera campaigns and have seen massive discrepancies in the tiers of characters because some will hoard on them and only use them for permanent stuff, which I think makes the most sense. And then others will use them continually for rerolls because they want that instant gratification of a reroll. I don't want people to. Have to worry about that. I would rather that they use their that they understand that they have a bunch of experience points they can use just for re rolls and they have experience points that they're going to get just for leveling or just for just for increasing the tiers of their character. That's worked. That's worked very well. That's a recommendation. That's something that has worked well in my game. I thought about it for a long time and it's worked very well. It's and it's been very easy to drop in. It's a very very slight house rule. So I really I really dig it. Temporary experience is very much like inspiration. It's different in that you get to re-roll. Inspiration, you get advantage. But a lot of people use it like a re-roll. And in this one, it actually is a re-roll. You can roll, see if you did poorly. If you did, you drop an experience point, you roll again. But you can also use it to like... You know, if you're going into the deep, you could say, I'm going to use my, some of my temporary experience points, like for my temporary experience points to get it, or I don't know if it's four, but like a couple, one or two experience points to get training in a skill temporarily, like just for, you know, localized training of something like, or local, yeah, localized training of a particular skill, like, oh i want to use it because i'm really good at this particular type of machine or because underwater vehicles are my specialty and you're like well it's not really useful anywhere else except here you can use temporary experience points for that so the characters i have two players who are out today i don't remember who they are i think cecilia might be out today i think we're gonna find out we're gonna find out who's in and i think jad the shade is out today i'm pretty sure jad the shade is out today So of the characters we have, we have Biko, an intuitive Jack who rides the lightning. Biko is very interested in kind of seeing where things are going to go and trying to help, trying to make sure and to help out and is very much like a moral moral voice, a, a questioning sort of Devil's advocate, moral voice. Are we sure that this is what we want to do? A good sounding board to make sure that they've thought through a lot of the things that they have. Cecilia is a hideous jack who wield power with precision. I don't know if she's still hideous. She is now a crystalline. She was originally like a bee person, but has since changed herself and her entire race into crystalline bee people who don't age and are essentially immortal. They can they regrow parts of themselves and even if there's like down to the atomic level, they will still reform into their original to the original shape so they are not they are. they are there's now a limited number of them but they will be around for for essentially forever you have jad the shade a meddlesome jack who exists partially out of phase juniper a cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun juniper's character her mother is the character the play the, the characters have a home base and juniper's mother Cassandra runs the home base. She is a very powerful nano who, who controls the home base and, and, and is helping them in the back. Which is something that's been interesting in this campaign. They have a big infrastructure behind the characters. We have our we have our six characters doing the kinds of things that the six characters do. But we also have and doing the kinds of things that a typical adventuring party would do. But they have this big infrastructure behind them. They have now these satellite. they have a satellite up in the sky that can nuke anything on the planet. They have 8,000 soldiers who can teleport anywhere they want them. They have a virtual citadel filled with nano like really specialized data sphere nanos and and sort of data sphere entities that are able to crack computer stuff for them which is really cool that they can kind of go back and talk to this group and 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 make progress in the world it's they got a little bit of risk going on like the the board game risk they have this bigger strategy game going on in the background and one might say like oh wouldn't it be cool if you had your own interesting mechanics for that kind of thing and the answer is nah, maybe but not for me i just like going through the story so they decide they, they, you know, we play it out just like any other RPG. They make, I describe what the situation is. They describe what they want the, their whole infrastructure to do. And then we adjudicate and see how it goes. Some, I don't think I even roll for it necessarily. And I think it works really well. I think that, I think that not having a system for this larger scale war that's going on, a planet side, planet sized war that's going on. It's, it's cool. It's working. It's working really well. We have Nakia, Bene- beneficent Jack, who acts without consequence. He's been he's been acting with more consequence recently. He's been definitely using the rest of the characters as sort of a springboard. And we have Samji, the protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. I did run into the problem that Jay, the player who plays Samji, was not around. I think for the last couple of sessions where we did the whole arc of his character and meeting his brothers and all of that and it was a shame but I couldn't really pull back the adventure and kind of send them off on other things and I'm not big into canceling a game unless I absolutely have to. If I only have like two or three players I'll cancel but otherwise I want to run it and if I have four or more we go and even Mm -hmm. in this side it was unfortunate that he missed the opportunity to kind of meet his brothers and everything like that. That would have been a really good role playing opportunity and I'm, I'm sad that didn't happen but I'm a big believer that above all the game needs to roll on that no almost you know it should be it should be really extreme circumstances to cancel a game and and so i didn't and and it's kind of a bummer but i think the story the story will move on and he will still get to meet his brothers because his brothers are still around so i think that that works so i need a strong start for today's game today's game is is largely going to be uh, so a a good chunk of the game is going to be them figuring out what they want to do to kind of re-establish themselves on the surface of the planet And an example. Some of the things that they need to do is retake Badra. So the the characters home campaign i'm sorry the character's home base is a city known as badrav it was where we started our adventures and they haven't been back to badrav in some time and badrav had been taken over by orgolians which are soldiers they're sort of half synthetic soldiers of the fourth emperor and while the fourth emperor was in control of the region through their herald known as faradon They just occupied it. But when Feridon was destroyed and the fourth emperor no longer had control over that region, the Orgolians went crazy. They they had no commanders and they sort of went wild. And a lot of people died and a lot of Orgolians died, but the, the town was under siege for a while. And now the characters have the way to break the siege. They can send you know, they can send their army over to overtake Badrov. And they might choice. So a choice is one choice. Let's see. We'll do choices. And a choice is do the characters overtake Badrov or do they send the glistening army or both? So that's that's a big question. And I think like as a strong start, I think we could have they're going to lose to lose Badrov. The Orgolians, let's see, four Orgolian Myrmidons have come into the city, including a flying Myrmidon. We're going to lose the city if something isn't done soon. And this is a message from, this is a message from Nakia's mother. We have a lot of family members here, a lot of mothers. And Nakia's mother is... I can't believe I don't have a link to... There's Cassandra the Facilitator. Maeve Jacobs. Message from Maeve Jacobs. We need to mark in here that Maeve Jacobs is mother of Nakia. There, now we got a link. So, so we have that. I think that's going to be the strong start. And the characters... So Axis Axis a caps like Axis says we can take it if you have other things to do or you can come with us. And I I, I imagine the characters are going to say sure and they're gonna go back to Badrov. The difference is the the glistening army can get there right away where the characters have to go through a data node. And I think an interesting scene might be defending the Aeon Priest, the temple of the Aeon Priest in Badrav. I think I have a location for this. Let's take a look at our locations here. Temple of Slyandar. So there's Badrav. Temple of the Aeon Priest, luminescent insectoid-like vault. Right, so it's a, cr- a crystalline vault that looks has like a... You know, it's like a pyramid with like an insect creature on the outside. So I think that they can defend that. So defending the Temple of the Aeon Priest in Badrav. And what we have is probably three Myrmidons, including the Flying Myrmidon, and two dozen Orgolians. The Myrmidons we've determined are level sixes. The Flying Myrmidon is also level six. And the Orgolians are level fours, level threes. And fours. A group that let's see, the glistening army can take a bunch of these, leaving there's actually a bunch of Myrmidons in the town. So they can take on one of the Myrmidons and most of the Orgolians. Two Myrmidons. I guess it depends on how many players. One or two. One or two Myrmidons and a half dozen Orgolians and that group the characters will deal with. So this is this is my trick. Here's a here's a quick trick for running big battles instead of trying to come up with some kind of system to handle a big battle it is a lot easier to look at the scene look at what's happening in this big battle and break up into pieces and then find the piece of the battle that the characters handle and keep the spotlight on the characters it's sort of this idea that like you have this backdrop and you have all this huge stuff happening in the backdrop you have the glistening army attacking from one side you have these huge Orgolian soldiers fighting from the other side and that's just in the background and you can describe it each round you can to describe what's going on but then you have what's actually happening with the characters and they have a, a portion of the army a portion of the, the army that's attacking is what the characters are dealing with and that way you have what a traditionally looks like a standard sort of encounter you have the group of characters you have the things that the group of characters are fighting maybe there's some evolution of like what's going on in the back or how well the characters are doing is affecting the rest of the battle but what you don't have to do is come up with a whole new system for handling like mass combat you really don't need something like that instead you can just take the story of the bigger battle describe it to the players describe what they're seeing and then keep the spotlight focused on them because the game really has mechanics built for small party combat it doesn't really have mechanics for handling great big battles there's definitely systems out there that can do it and if you like those systems go with the gods you don't you don't need to do it this way but one way is you don't necessarily need to have a system for a big battle instead you can just describe it and that's what i'm going to be doing here So I think, yeah, we're going to have the idea that there's these huge Myrmidons. There may be like six Myrmidons. What did I say? I said four, but let's say there's six of these things. And it's going to take a fair amount of the glistening army to defeat the six Myrmidons. Because Myrmidons are great big walking tank kind of things, right? And it's going to be hard for the characters to deal with that alone but with the glistening army and them then they can they can focus on retaking the the temple they can focus on the Myrmidons that are trying to break into the temple while they the glistening army takes care of everything else i think that that would be kind of a fun scene i think it's a good way to get into some of the action that's going on before they take their before they take their next step which is going to be heading into the deep so they'll take care of that then we have like downtime and badrav so, so running a downtime session can actually be pretty tricky. And one of the things that really helps with running a downtime session is outlining a few of the things that the characters can do ahead of time. So instead of just saying, okay, now you have downtime, what are some of the things you want to do? That, that That's too wide a question to offer up to the players. Sometimes it's good, but instead what you can do is say, here's a few different things that you can do during your downtime. Here are a few options that you have. And then if the players come up with their own options, they can certainly do those too. But it helps to offer up at the beginning of it a little bit of structure about the kinds of things that they want to do for downtime so when we're looking at downtime in badra for example what are some of the things they can do they've already they've already destroyed so they've already destroyed the other satellite in the area they've also destroyed the the skybreakers in the area so from a from a war front, so so commanding the glistening army is one and what what jobs do they want to give the glistening army now the glistening army is not their army like they can't just give them orders instead they can suggest to them of things that they could do and the glistening army gets to decide if they want to do it they did give them free will and axis speaks for the glistening army really axis and origin both speak origin probably has a new body so i think like you know that's a little side note i think that that i think they, they 3d printed him a new body So they could command the glistening army. One priority is take the satellites, to take the eyes in the other two regions, region two and region three. At the same time, in order to take on the eye, they have to find the herald, find and overtake the herald who oversees the eyes in region two and three. Take take out you know take the eyes in the other two regions use the eyes to destroy the skybreakers in region two and three destroy the remaining heralds destroy the remaining heralds and at that point oh and then take out any Orgolian divisions and fabrication facilities it's going to be tough. I mean, it's 8,000, but it's planet-wide. So take out the Orgolian divisions and, and fabrication f- fabrication facilities. And at that point, well, they have destroyed everything. The, f- the, f- the heralds are down. So overtake and overtake the temples of the pharaohs. So those are all the kinds of things that they can do. Now, some of the questions that they have is if they're infused, if infused with... So if armed... With spears of the quad cores, they can crack heralds. If infused with the hex, they can overtake skybreakers. Or not skybreakers, they can overtake eyes. Otherwise, they'll just have to destroy them. They can't command them. Only the hex is powerful enough to handle taking over an eye that's really a secret or clue we're gonna move that to secrets and clues so one big downtime thing is commanding the glistening army another what's any other kind of downtime activities so constructing new numenera to aid in their fight this is sort of a wish list thing for the characters. Is there any wish list sort of thing? What else? Probably, Cecilia is probably not around. I, I think the player is not around. But talk to family members and friends. A, one secret and clue is that their original patron, their original, yeah, the original patron they had was named, oh, I forget his name. He died, but now he's a simulated construct. Terence, Terence. So I can never find Terence. Why? Do, why do I always have trouble finding Terence? T E R R. I don't know why. Weird. There he is. Terence has become the new Amzn, the Amazon, in charge. He's the quartermaster. Now quartermaster of Badra. So he's able to kind of simulate any non-Numinera sort of designs and 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 create them sort of virtually and then and then cast them in, in the real. So that that works. What other secrets is so while all of this is going on, what is the what is the fourth emperor doing? Oh, so one secret is the fourth emperor has sealed off the data sphere in and around the deep it's impenetrable how has he done this he's used a massive the fourth emperor the agents of the fourth emperor underwater agents of the fourth emperor have created a powerful i've fired up an ancient numenera able to create an impenetrable barrier to the deep That way, the character, nobody can actually data cast in. They have to physically go down there to do it. If this Numenera is destroyed, the Glistening Army could be called in. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. Any other, so what other kind of downtime activities could they do? Anything else that they want to do? Sort of constructing new Numenera to, to aid their fight. Any like data sphere research on any of their questions? connecting the hive to Badrav, I think that that could be, that could be neat. I think that there might be a little bit of friction. There's some friction between Cassandra and Maeve. The former doesn't believe in the rigid organization of the latter. So Cassandra, is a sort of freelance nano and Maeve jacobs is a member of the aeon priests and the aeon priests the the rigidity of the organization of the aeon priests bristles cassandra she doesn't like it and she doesn't think that the from the ashes of from the ashes of the fourth emperor should come a new structural organization she thinks it didn't work before it's not going to work now and look what happened like look how many nanos were enslaved and used to fuel this huge enterprise is that the fault of the aeon priests no but organizing it didn't help so yeah an interesting i don't know i think there's an interest there could be an interesting an interesting conflict there that the characters can kind of navigate so what else do we have any other kind of downtime activities? So uh, one, one good way to consider downtime activities is to look at the characters and look at the players and see the kind of things that they would like. So is there anything that Biko would like to do? Biko always loves his fancy armor, but I think he's already got a bunch of fancy armor. They actually have a pretty good set of, of equipment, really. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind giving them one last wish list, one last sort of thing. If they want a particular type of equipment, what can they get? I, I'm, I'm good with that because I can always make level 10 monsters all day long cecilia anything interesting for cecilia that she might want i don't know and any kind of downtime, i think definitely she would want to talk with her the other members of her people that could be that could be interesting at the shade so he definitely can talk to his 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 best friend is mave so i think that that could be i think that that could be interesting juniper definitely has her family she wants to know like how the relationship between so how have they been how have they been going so we'll say that cassandra this is our little bit of soap opera stuff and cucuccio are still dating i don't think cucuccio is probably not the kind of guy that wants to get married he doesn't want to get tied down he's such a bastard i think that's fun iyo There we go. That little story is great. So so we have all of that. Is there any other? So that was Juniper. Nakia will talk to his mother. Samji, of course, will want to talk to his thing. So I think that's probably pretty good for downtime stuff. And then I think it's traveling into the deep. And they use a portal. They can use the portal in Ballarat to reach the deep. They can use the portal in Balrog to reach the deep. And then when they, and so then we have like a location, a fantastic location here. And the fantastic location is the, the portal, the deep portal. And the interesting thing there is sits upon million, you know, millions of year old temple ziggurat. I think maybe these portals, the portals were constructed by the fourth emperor back hundreds of millions of years ago we're just gonna say millions of years hundreds of millions is so big nothing would exist 100 million years everything would be the away so there's an old ziggurat and at top of the ziggurat is this portal and then i think so I, I would love to have like an interesting monster maybe we'll go we'll go dig into the we'll go dig into the bestiaries but i want to i want to find some interesting underwater monsters that are like the fourth emperor's equivalent of orgolians but under the sea i think we have some good guys that are octopus people i want to have some cool octopi octopus people that are good guys they're friends of navro and burham so i think navro and burham we let's see we might as well fill out some other npcs we have mave we have jacobs we have cassandra we have rabbit we have Terrence. We have, these are all, like they're going to meet all their old friends, which is kind of fun. We have, who else? Who else are they going to meet there? Mave and Cassandra and Rabbit and Terrence. I think that's, oh, Cucuccio. Yeah, that's cool. So let's see. I probably want to have, let's see, we're we'll going into the deep. I need a, octopus ambassador in these kind of the, the zones the, the zone maps so this is uh, the book that i'm looking at here is called into the deep it was a series it's one from a series of books that monty cook games put out on a kickstarter a while back to look into outer space and outer dimensions other other worlds other portals or other, other worlds, other universes, and into the ocean below. And they did a series of these books. They're all about like 192 pages, and they're perfect for this kind of thing. And I was like, I want to squeeze as much as I can out of Numenera. Why don't we have part of this adventure take place underwater? It actually came about, I can't remember who brought it up. Somebody in, this fine, in our fine channel right now brought it up when i was like how can we make sure that the characters can't just blow up the throne of the fourth emperor what could they protect it with and i was like energy shells or some kind of other sort of way to defend it and somebody said what about water and it was perfect like you even if dropping a tungsten rod from space it's not going to go down into the ocean and blow anything up under the ocean and no way it could get down there so the idea that it uses the ocean as a barrier is perfect right so that worked out really well and i get to use I get to use this whole, this entire supplement to be underwater. So the idea that the final act of the adventure takes place underwater in a whole other realm of earth with all kinds of things. And I really want to, I really want to make sure to, to, to make that as fantastic as possible. That, that idea that, that underwater is almost like an alien world to itself a world alien to us. And then throwing that, into high gear throwing that million years into the future what does it look like under the underwater that is really you know that is that is really great and uh so i have like the drowned city of clee i think did i put this in my notes already let's take a look if i did yes i have the drowned city of of clee and i think i have that that and i have a map so i took this from here and this is where the final area is going to take place the cleoids yeah, so cleoids are, are 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 a potential enemy, so I like that very much. I want to find out. So I think actually, if I go down into the bestiary, yeah. So I can just take this guy here. He looks he looks friendly, and we will copy, save to clipboard, and we're gonna go and make a new NPC. And what do we wanna what do we wanna say here? Over over X octopus ambassador now i wonder where let's see the billion-year empire spans the entirety of all the seas their queen rules over all they're xenophobic and aloof preferring to keep to themselves the quiet emperor the quiet empire i don't i think in this case because they've been they've been dealing with the fourth emperor down below they've actually been already fighting them i think that let's see let's see if we can find the Coral Cathedral. Oh, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Coral. The Coral Cathedral is where we're gonna. That's Chapter Five. So that's page forty-six. So we're gonna make a new of the Coral and the Quiet Empire. Very cool. Oh, let's position that so we get a nice like. Hey, there's an octopus. Octopus dude. Yay. So we now have a new location coral cathedral and we go into the deep here and this is we will we will remark that it is into the deep page 46 so we know where it is and we are going to grab that's a cool little screenshot we'll grab that and paste that in here so you have a nice image of that and i think i saw a map I got a nice little map grab that drop that in my notes so we got that and is there any other? That's cool. That looks that looks deadly. Poor dude. Oh look, it's an, like an octopus running a an octopus riding a some kind of critter. That's pretty funny. So that works. So I think that that will be a cool place. And the the Quiet Empire. So then we have like some secrets here. The Quiet Empire has battled the Cleoids for the past year, as the Cleoids fired up the ziggurat of Clee, wherein lies the throne of the fourth emperor so cleoids drowned city of Klee. cleoids are extinct but their influence lurks i don't think they're extinct any longer creatures we find and use these compromised objects of gravity transfer. shelled monsters mental abilities do we have a cleoid clay it's pronounced clay Cleoid. We could have them just be like weird construction, you know, constru- constructs, right? Because I don't think they actually have a so I think they are they're an aquatic they're sort of synthetic aquatic creatures built for the fourth empire, the empire, right? So cleoids are aquatic, are aquatic constructed or organisms, often crustaceans, but sometimes other other shapes. They might be amoebas. I can't spell amoebas. <laughs> M-O-E-B-A. They might be amoebas. They might be like, sh- but often like large, huge, you know, constructs. Would they have? Would they be like sharks? Could we have like cyber sharks? Is it time to face some cyber sharks? Sharks with lasers on their heads? Sharks with lasers, right? Sure. Why not? In fact, I think when they go to the, the, the million-year-old temple, Cleoid cyber sharks attack and these could be level three level fives i think that will work Clioid cyber sharks with laser with freaking laser beams attack level three would a laser be very efficient underwater does that burn what can you burn can you take a laser and burn it underwater does it burn the water itself does it create like a what if you take a really high-powered laser and fire it underwater does that happen what happens to the water Wouldn't it evaporate i don't know other, oh, some, some kind of, yeah, some kind of terrible thing. Yeah, and so we now have the city of Klee. Clay, I guess it's called. Drowned city of Klee. Drowned city of Klee, and we have, what was it called? I already forgot the name of the, I need my octopus person. Overix. The Coral Cathedral. Oops, he's not a, he's not a monster. He's an NPC. Coral Cathedral. And this is home of the quiet empire. Cool. Sharks with lasers on their heads. It's a monster. don't really have to worry about monsters too much. What else? So I've been trying to think about, I've been trying to think about where things will go when they get into the deep. That when they, when they actually get there and they're actually doing their job, what are the, things that they'll need to accomplish is there something that they need to do to stop the coming of the fourth empire so one is i guess like the it is impractical to try to break in by themselves to dethrone the fourth empire so they'll probably have to take out that big numenera that that is separating the data sphere and that would let them bring in the remainder of the glistening army that might be something that they have to accomplish. Is there anything else when they're when they're heading into Clay, the Drowned City of Clay, which is the throne of the Fourth Empire? You know, what else do they do? They need a weapon of some sort. Do they need? Yeah, I don't know if they'll need. I don't know if they'll need something else. Some other another scene is they will probably need to, in their downtime, uh, get another. Spear of the quad cores. So what is a spear of the quad a, a spear of the quad cores is essentially a physical computer virus that they can use to crack data sphere walls. It's it's made by these beings called quad cores, which are essentially four nanos connected together who can do really smart things. And they can create these sphere, these spears in the data sphere, but they can actually be manifested physically too. When you data, when you when you real cast out, you have a you have an actual physical sphere that is this virus and it can crack through. So they can use that, if they can get into the shell, which is probably protected by, so this could be a secret. And what is that thing called? Man, my spelling is atrocious today. When they crack, so what is the sphere called that is able to, I imagine it's like a large sphere and it's a Numenera that is able to push out the data sphere a wall it's able to 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 separate the data sphere of the of the below of the of the, the the oceans below from the data sphere of the world above what would that thing be called the blue wall The the i don't know hmm. it could give it It could give it like a big proper name the shield below we'll call it the shield below so i'm going to create a new location i might change my name my, data sphere blocking Numenera so we have this place this location where there is a a, a a data sphere blocking Numenera that separates the data sphere of the oceans below from the data sphere of the surface it must be destroyed to bring the glistening army to the oceans so we have that i don't know if there's a cool picture that i could use for that hey there's the shark with the laser beam that looks pretty cool i've reviewed my characters i have a strong start we got lots of scenes lots of potential things to do including you know a couple of battles really so i don't think they're going to get super far into this i've got a pile of secrets and clues One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. look at that exactly 10 I got a bunch of fantastic locations. I've got a bunch of NPCs. I don't really have to worry about monsters or treasure. So we are pretty good. Our notes are pretty good. So I think we're going to call it a day. I think we're going to we're going to go with what we got. Do I feel totally comfortable? No. There's a lot of fuzzy things that can happen in this game. A lot of things I don't I don't know how it's going to go. But we will see. I feel pretty good about it though. Generally speaking, I feel pretty good about it. So yeah, so I think we will end it there. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today while I prepped my new Monera game. If you want to help me out, there are four things you can do. You can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter, get free Adventure Generator PDF, plus a DD and d related article sent to your inbox every week. You can support me directly on Patreon and get access to all kinds of exclusive material and exclusive Discord channel and all other just big piles of stuff that you get by being a member of the Sly Flourish Discord or Sly Flourish Patreon You can pick up any of my books at the Sly Flourish bookstore, or you can share and like this video, pass it to your friends and let people know. If you do any of those things, you are definitely helping me out. But it is always a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you all very much for hanging out with me today while I prep my game. Have a great day and get out there and play a role playing game.